Hi, this is John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and this is the Midwest Monsters Podcast. <laughs> Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, friends, as we bring you a franchise this evening. Now, folks, you would think that we had had enough of vampires by covering <laughs> uh, all the Dracula movies. Of when you, when he says we, he means he. Yes. Yeah, we, we want to make sure we get them in before it gets to Halloween season. Because <laughs> I'm done. I'm not watching another vampire movie for at least two years. Uh, so... We covered all the Dracula movies last month, and now uh, we are talking about the Underworld franchise. And so, um, I had seen the first one before, but that's it, and so this is my first time viewing of the other four. Professor, what's your, what are you bringing to the table with this series? Um, I kind of have an uncomfortable crush on Kate Beckinsale, but <laughs> I'd never seen any of these movies. This is a first time watch for all of them. I have seen all of them at one time or another. Um, so this was revisits for all of them for me. Uh, I've seen all five. I've, I I want to say the last couple, though. I um, only like watched them once, enjoyed them, and then just never got around to watching them again. So um, I think one and two are probably the ones I've seen the most of all of them. So. Okay. Uh, Vinny, would you regale us with the funny story about your wife <laughs> reprimanding you for watching Underworld? It was probably about four <laughs> years ago, if that long. And I pop in, something comes up. Somehow the Underworld movies comes up. And uh, my wife gets immediately agitated and uh, says that they are trash. <laughs> and I said, whoa. That's where these strong emotions coming from. She goes, oh, I don't know. Kate Beckinsale's power hot. And I said, <laughs> I sat there for a second and I said, are you mad about something I said about Kate Beckinsale being hot from 14 years ago? <laughs> and she won't make eye contact. And goes, no, <laughs> it's trash and walks out of the room. <laughs> so my wife was mad because I had said that Kate Beckinsale was quote power hot many 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 years ago and had held that grudge for ages now mind you I don't have Kate Beckinsale as a wallpaper on my phone but my wife has been known for years at a time to have Justin Timberlake Johnny Depp and other such male actors as the wallpaper on her phone and I ain't said shit Hey, and listeners, stay tuned. We're going to have her on for the last part of the show. Her and Vinny are going to have it out. 
<laughs> Just kidding. We, we surprised Vinny with that little bit there. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's rich. I always like starting with a good story like that. So, uh, all right. I guess there's nowhere to start but with the first Underworld film. So, Todd, can you give us some basic details? Underworld, 2003, uh, written and directed by Lynn Wiseman, also written by Kevin Grivenow, and uh, also Danny McBride. But uh, not that Danny McBride. Right. It sounds more fun if it was. Yeah, it would you be. Just, just no, no, I was show. really excited when I saw that. the whole show. <laughs> uh, so cast, uh, as we already heard that uh, from her turn in serendipity, Kate Beckinsale as Celine, Scott Speedman as Michael, Michael Sheen as Lucian, Shane Bolly as Craven, Bill Nye as Victor. Uh, again, I'll butcher his name one more time. Kevin Grievenau as Ray's. And Wentworth Miller, who I didn't even realize was in this movie because he was nobody back then. <laughs> Always love when Bill Nye pops up and stuff. I'm like, Sean's stepdad! <laughs> <laughs> but he's a really good actor. <laughs> I always I always think of him from Love Actually, so. Mm, yeah, that's a good role. Okay, who wants to dare tackle this synopsis? I'll hit it. All right. So, uh, movie opens and being narrated by Celine. She is what they call a death dealer. Uh, vampires and werewolves, a.k.a. lichens, have been at war for centuries. She is a death dealer, a specialist that hunts down and kills werewolves. Uh, and it all stems from, we find out, I don't know if it's, I can't remember if it's explained or not, but the whole gist of it is that the werewolves were once enslaved by the vampires. After they've broken free, it's been a war between the two of them ever since. And so now... I don't know. I don't know how how far do I want to get into into the synopsis of what's going on. So there's a human that's being stalked by the werewolves. Turns out he is a descendant of a Corvinus, which is the first immortal, and his children were the sons. His two sons were the fathers of the vampires and the werewolves. Uh, his, his final descendant is out there, and they are after him because they believe there's a secret to his human Corvinus blood that can benefit the werewolves to help them win the war. And that's the Michael character, right? Yes, Michael is that character. And Lucian is the leader of the Lycans. And eventually, uh, Celine, because she doesn't know where to turn, she knows there's some dirty dealings going on within their coven. She wakes up Victor, the, the oldest of her coven, prematurely from his slumber because the elders take turns each millennia of who is going to rule for that time. She wakes him up prematurely because she is wanting his, his advice. That's what I got. You guys can add what you think might be necessary. Um, I just want to say that early on the film sets a tone for the entire franchise that every single installment is not about how the werewolves can't work together. Every single one is about how the vampires can't work together. Yeah. Like they're always trying to screw each other over. And I'm like, typical vampire, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's, it's, you, you've got the, uh, 
you've got the Craven character who's kind of in charge while the elders are sleeping. Um, and he's in cahoots with the Lucian Lycan character. Um, and that's really where the big plot twist comes in besides the Michael character. But the big plot twist is that idea of like, Oh, he's actually working with the Lycans in order to undermine some of the vampire authority. I think uh, one of the more compelling parts uh, that we learned throughout the film is tracing back the history of Victor once we've woken him up. Um, the Basically, the man that adopted her. We learn kind of more sinister elements of him uh, that involved. Because it, it's something I noticed quickly that this is very like Romeo and Juliet with the, the two parties fighting each other and forbidden love between them. And this dates back to the history uh, with Victor. Uh, where he ultimately had not only his daughter, Sonia, uh, murdered for being in cahoots in a situation like that. Uh, but we also learned more about what happened to Celine's parents at, at his behest and his hand. So Yeah, because she, think, she, had, she had been led to believe that Lycans had killed her family and that Victor had saved her and granted her vampirism to an eternal life and raised her as a daughter. And then, right. yeah, and then it turned her into a death dealer because, because with that info that vamp that like yes family, and so that's why she became one of the best death dealers ever. Yes. So what yeah, you, and, what, and, we'll go ahead. I was just gonna when when you get done with your thoughts, I just kind of want to hear what everybody's initial thoughts are on the movie when you're done. Um, I was just gonna say lastly on that is that it's important to point out that these films are all very similar. Uh, so we're going to hit a lot of kind of the same concepts. So I don't want to be too repetitive, but for people who are watching this for the first time, don't get frustrated with a lot of the twists and turns because some of them do pay off in an interesting way, like the one I just mentioned. Uh, but it's also important for the listener to know this because we are going to stumble through some of these plot lines the best that we can, because to be perfectly honest, there is a lot of fat on these in terms of the narrative um, where you've got a short distance to travel, but you go all over the place to get there, which to a certain degree is a vehicle for the fun in it. But it, when recapping it, it's a little difficult, uh, but you guys go ahead with your, your thoughts on the, the first film. Todd's phone is just blowing up. Like it's the Oklahoma city building over here. So I'm just glad it was his phone. School's back in session. <laughs> Todd, what do you think about this movie? Um, I think uh, probably what I don't I don't remember if I knew much about this movie going in. I just remember the poster, which was pretty cool. Is like uh, uh, the typical posters, like the big moon and and uh, Kate Beckinsale, two thousand and three. So we had probably um, a little over a decade of Matrix type movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think this is pre True Blood and Twilight of all the weird uh, glittery vampires. So um, I think Underworld carries a really good. Um, a good mix of uh it, it keeps a lot of the horror elements um but it's kind of sci-fi-ish and a lot of action um i really enjoyed the movie and i probably when it came out i watched this quite a bit um and also i like that the whole series is rated r so um you know i want to say like resident evil like eventually those might have become pg-13 or pg-13 and filling so um I don't know. Uh, this was almost kind of like the, I guess, before even Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones with vampires meets the Matrix. 
<laughs> Game of Thrones meets the Matrix meets Blade. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so like I said, I'd seen this once before and liked it well enough that I was agreeable to doing this series. I wasn't dreading it like the Dracula episode. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, everything that Hot Toddy just said, you know, like it was kind of rolling off of the matrix all the, all those things where it blended i i want to say one thing that i i really like about this film and that it pretty consistently pretty consistently not perfectly pretty consistently carries through the whole franchise is that they do a really good job of blending uh cgi and practical effects um it's not perfect and you can tell some of it's dated but for the time that each of these are made they do a pretty good job with the effects and and for that you know <clears throat> I, I guess we're all werewolf guys. I was curious to say, Vinny and I are big werewolf guys, but now I think about it, we all are. <laughs> and so we're all going to be pretty critical of a werewolf movie uh, and the effects in it. And so for this to to handle itself the way it did, it gets my respect as a whole franchise even for, for handling lichens very well in both CGI and practical effects. I agree with that sentiment on how werewolves were presented. I love that they used practical effects especially for the closer scenes. Those big body suits that they used were great. I liked this movie when it came out because it it had that blend of gothic horror, but in modern setting. Like they managed to mix that perfectly, just the same way they managed to mix action and horror elements perfectly in this first movie. Um I don't that era wasn't a big one where I was getting inundated and thrilled with what was coming out horror wise. So this was nice and also it was cool to have a decent looking werewolf in, in movies again. Um I love Bill Nye. I think that he's amazing in general, but as Victor especially, oh, yeah. he is so menacing in that role. Um and I think really he honestly he's the anchor on this movie. I think he gives this movie a, a legitimacy that it may not have had without him in it. Yeah. The, I think uh, the thing I was the most surprised with, because I had a general idea what the movie was. And, and when we picked it, I thought well, I'd pick this up for dirt cheap at some point, five, five movies, majority of it with, a, you know, beautiful Kate Beckinsale and latex. There's way worse things we could pick, but what I was pleasantly <laughs> surprised with, it's true. Uh, <laughs> was how was how much um how much legitimacy was put into these films and not just the first one as we'll go on they continue to have real deal actors in these movies and budgets behind them but at the same time they're not watering it down to try and make a bunch more money you still have uh some pretty grotesque moments uh both in violence and with you know our monsters and so i think that's really what surprised me the most was i was expecting um a fun action movie with horror elements to it but i was really shocked not only at the quality that they they really threw at these things but how the balance that they kept and i agree 100 percent with the werewolves that was so refreshing because i just thought well we're gonna have some cg wolves but it, it'll be cool to have werewolves involved in an action movie they actually look pretty cool in, in some different parts, especially uh, the the closer up moments. Pretty neat. And what I and the other thing that I liked that on their take of the lichens was finally 
werewolves are in control of their power. They can Definitely. transform at will. They, they can use it. They're, they're not a prisoner to the curse. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Definitely. So do we want to kind of go through the plot and get yeah. to the end? Yeah. Say, okay. Yeah. So Michael, the, the Corvinus relative that everybody's after is bitten by a lichen is going to turn. Kate Beckinsale falls for him. And at one point, he is injured. Isn't that the spot where he's injured? So she lets him drink from her blood or she bites him. And then his special DNA that everybody is after, they find out why. His body is able to handle both mutations. And he becomes a hybrid of both werewolves and vampires. This whole new creature. Which... So it all comes down to a final battle where Victor finds Celine and is infuriated that she has done the exact same thing that his daughter he had put to death because she was with a lichen. His adopted daughter has now done the same thing. But Celine finds out it was not the lichens that killed her family. It was Victor who killed her family and had been lying to her all along. So Victor gets in a pretty, pretty kick-ass fight with Michael as the hybrid creature. Uh, and then our, our, our final scene where Celine leaps through the air, ready to fight with Victor with a sword. She lands. He's ready to whoop ass. And then just like every movie from that era, <laughs> half of his head slides off and onto the ground. She's killed him. How many horror movies during that time had somebody get sliced in half and slide apart like that was a ghost oh, ship. Wasn't that one of them? Oh yeah. There isn't so many. I even down at the bottom of my notes, it says another God awful head slice accustomed to the two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of it, uh, Celine and Michael are together. They're on the run. And that's how we end our movie. Solid, solid outing. And as they walk into the sunset, they cue Bonnie and Clyde by Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> I thought you are going to say by uh, Travis Tritt. <laughs> yeah, that's a better one. Uh, I don't, throughout the whole movie, I kept waiting for Travis Tritt. It would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Why wasn't he on the soundtrack? He would definitely be a lichen, I think. Oh, for sure. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he already looks like a cowardly lion. I feel like Travis Tritt fits in more with the howling werewolves, though. Than yes. Than the yeah. Uh, but that's howling, uh, I N apostrophe. <laughs> the howling. Um, so, my only other notes, <laughs> I just thought of a whole movie in my head called The Hollerin' with even bigger country werewolves. You watched it. It was called Halloween 7 or Howling 7. You guys got me tripping. <laughs> The seven, the line dancing werewolves. It was. Yes. <laughs> Never speak of it again. Oh, it's the hollering. <laughs> so, um, the only other thing I'd add to the plot line is that as they were like, as the vampires and the lichens were in cahoots, it was about like weapons dealing. So that's like how many layers there are to this movie. Like, there's yeah. loyalty levels. There's double crossing. There's a double double cross where Craven shoots Lucian. <laughs> it's like, but 
but they're also working on like special weapons to kill each other, like UV bullets and stuff like that. And it's just, there's a lot of layers to this movie and it works for this one, but I also think it makes the second one really clunky and we'll talk about that. But, um, the only other things I want to say, I really like that, that big subway shootout at the beginning. That's a lot of fun to set the stage and buoy in. But, uh, I just love when, uh, Celine shoots that circle in the floor to escape and like falls through down to the next level. I thought that was straight up something that could have been in a Chuck Norris movie or something before. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> that scene was awesome. It was at that point I knew I'd made a good call on watching it in a sex swing. <laughs> <laughs> so much leather. Doggy. <laughs> Uh, did we mention Marcus, the the top vampire awakening? No, we no. Well, there was is. there was anger with uh, from Victor that he was woken up prematurely out of order. Uh, but yes. we have a, a a drop of blood as the teaser at the very end uh, that has a awoken Marcus. So we, you not only have these two fleeing who are going to have everyone after them, but you've got the the big dog awake now. So it's a nice setup for a sequel that obviously was made. Todd, you want to say anything before we jump to the next one? Um, I guess for the the ladies, we had Scott Speedman who looked dirty the whole movie. So <laughs> uh, I don't really feel like this one was really made for us, except for um, I don't know. I like Kate, Kate Beckinsale was pretty cool in it, and um, along with. Uh, Watching some of them now, because because I feel like we were higher depth than probably when these movies were originally made. The first couple, um, there's a couple moments, but for the most part, the special effects are really good, and the stunt work is really good too. So, how long did it take all of you to realize that Michael Corvin was not being played by Scott Stapp? <laughs> what? I don't know. This is, he's his eyes won't open. <laughs> <laughs> he's too busy doing. Kid Rock shows. <laughs> Private shows. All right. Should we move on to the next movie? Sure. Uh, so, Underworld 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, actually, Evolution. Uh, that This is a series that could do with numbers, because I am like, what is Evolution 2? I'm confused. I know. I had to keep looking <laughs> at the dates every time I went to watch one. <laughs> so, this, uh, yeah, this, this would be good to have numbers on them. Uh, so, Part 2, Evolution 2006. Um, basically Lynn Wiseman, uh, returns to write and direct and your essential cast. Which Kate Beckinsale was married to him, correct? Uh, I, not in the first movie. I think they ended up having a baby and. But they were married at one they point. They were married and for like a decade. Last movie. Um, so yeah, they, uh, most of the essential cast, if, uh, if even in flashback returns in part two, uh, along with new cast members, uh, Tony Curran as Marcus. Derek Jacoby as <laughs> I can never say his name without saying coronavirus, but um, Corvinus. There you go. Stephen McIntosh as uh, Tainus or Tainus, if you will. Tainus. Um, Tainus. And a combination uh, of taint and anus. And uh, that's uh, for the most part. That's everybody that's uh, in this movie. Okay. Vinny, you want to you keep being our uh, our guide for the, the plot? So we pick up with, uh, you know, Michael and 
Celine are on the run still, obviously. Uh, Craven. Pause real quick. I forgot one of my notes for the last movie is someone says, hello, Michael. And it's very Lost Boise, but go ahead. Definitely worth going back for. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I broke your brain off. Anywho. Uh, so Celine and Michael are on the run from both the Lycans and the vampires. Craven, who the chicken shit who had been in cahoots with the Lycans in the last movie, runs back to the coven. He gets there only to see that, oh shit, Marcus is awake. Marcus quickly kills him, which I am totally surprised that this dude came back just to get killed in the first five minutes of this movie. Like that shit right there made old boy from uh, Dream Warriors when he came back in four, made it look like he was in most of the movie. <laughs> so, uh, so Craven's dead, and of course, once Marcus drains his blood, he sees all the memories that Craven had. So he he's caught up to speed that Celine has killed Victor, a fellow elder, and that there is the hybrid out there, and so he's up and at him. And also, he is the original vampire the first vampire and this dude can transform not like into a bat like old school universal dracula but like this man bat from batman (laughs) type shit (laughs) where he's got wings and the face of a bat but he's man-sized like which is a cool effect he's a he's a bat and is a and is a different direction for it so it's then him off and after looking for Celine and Michael, and that is your basic setup for the movie. Yeah, basic setup because we're about to take some windy roads with the mm. yes, or after they finger bang. <laughs> I watched a different one. Yeah, I missed that part. Uh, so we also get some more. We get some some backstory. So we get the story about Marcus and his brother, William, and they were the original vampire and original lichen. One bitten by wolf, one bitten by bat. Yes. Was the legend. One if by land, two if by sea. And so, (laughs) uh, so we get that backstory leading up to that, that before he kills Marcus and gets all of that stuff. And, uh, before he kills Craven. Yeah. That, that guy, Craven, yes, yes. Uh, so then um, we also get the backstory that we learned that Celine's family, in working for for the, the vampires, had actually built the tomb for his brother William, the werewolf. And in who, building, who couldn't turn back into a human. Right. He was just this giant, bestial werewolf. He was deemed too dangerous to live. Right. And so they put, the, it was like a trap slash tomb sort of thing for him. And what had happened was, is that's why they got killed. Because they didn't want anybody else to know the secret about where he was being contained. And so we learned that that's why her family got killed. It wasn't the Lycans that killed her family. I mean, technically it was. And that is also the movie, that's Marcus's uh, motivation as well, is he wants to free his brother. And now that Victor is gone and all that, Victor's the one who imprisoned his brother. He now wants he wants it to let his brother go. Yeah. I picture, and as it turns um, out, okay. <laughs> he was. Turns out, the, turns out the medallion 
that Lucian had that had been given to him by Sonia, Victor's daughter, is actually the key to Marcus's brother's tomb, William's tomb, that Celine's parents made. Did you follow that, folks? <laughs> what I was going to say is there's somewhere there is a kid sitting with like, uh, you know, he's got like dreadlocks and apex twin blasting, and he is madder than hell that we are butchering names <laughs> different parts of this. <laughs> Anytime someone says the key with any sort of like mystery, she has the key. All I can think of is Gwildor from Masters of the Universe. Ah, the key. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I like about uh, this installment is it, I think it really helps with the the world building with uh, kind of the, the scope of time with these characters because, as mentioned before, we open up, I think it's in 1202 uh, with the, the village scenes, but we also uh, encounter an exiled historian Andreas, I think was his name, that we go and visit at one point that we see in the next film, which is set way back. And it, I, I just feel like it really kind of boosts the imagination uh, for, for a lot of the narrative that we're jumping around on, um, which I think is a, another important element of these to point out is fantasy is also a big part of this in the way that they present these stories as opposed to just action and horror. They really get kind of grand uh, with not only the lore, but how we, we get there. I, I also, in that opening sequence that's back in like the medieval times, one of my uh, notes was I could watch an entire movie set in this time period, ironically. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's a good point to make, Professor, in this idea of it's not just action, it's not just horror. It's sci-fi too, like so. It's not just sci-fi. It's got fantasy. Like it really blends a lot. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think that's one thing, as you said, that it really has going for it. Besides the the talent that they continue to put in the films, the money they put into the films, and that it can't be pinned down into just one thing. Because I mean, like you know, folks listen to this who know us and typically watch more horror. They're like, why are they doing this on a horror podcast? But at the same time, like. Some of the gore is really oh yeah well on there. The 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 lichen stuff is is really well done and can catch you off guard sometimes. And so, yeah, it, it's not it's not just horror adjacent. I mean, it's still got some of those qualities to it, especially with obviously the source material. Yeah, and it, I mean, flat up, it's a monster movie. Yeah, flat up. Oh yeah. If we've got time for Howling 7, we've got time for these. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we can watch Ghoulies 4. Uh, Leprechaun in uh, space. Todd, you got any thoughts? Um, I mean, I kind of like it's It's kind of old school sequel where uh, it, it basically just picked up moments after Boom. the first movie. Yep. Um. I kind of feel, I mean, the first one's got a lot of action. I feel like this one's kind of more action-driven. Um, I almost kind of feel like it could have used a little bit less twists and turns for this one. Um, and then for some reason, they're like, hey, people were pissed over the first movie that uh, we, Scott Speedman has to run around with a shirt off the whole movie. Um, I think this is the one I noticed more, too, where... Um, I will say that I'm probably taken out of when he transforms 
a little bit more. Um, I feel like this one, they used a little bit too much CGI on him in particular. And I feel if they did, it's probably because all the budget went to um, to Marcus because he was pretty badass when he was like the bat flying around. Um, I do like that Michael looked more bestial in his uh, creature form in this one than he did in the first one. Yeah. In the I, face. I feel like he, he definitely has more of a uh, um, spiked up part than he did in the first one, which really when you think about it in the first movie, it's he's like the uh, the damsel in distress. And uh, yep. so um, he's got kind of a little bit bigger role in this one. And um, I don't know. It, for it, it being a continuation, they really could have phoned it in. So I think the fact that that between Victor and Marcus, there's a huge difference. And then like um, a lot more of the backstory was cool. And um, yeah, still, I like this one, but not as well as the first one. Um, so that old human dude with the white beard was, was Marcus and William's dad? Yes. Okay. That really confused me. I was watching it. Now he he stuck his dick in a bat and a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Again, wrong movie. At the same this time, this is the it one like, that is like a turducken sort of scenario. <laughs> Isn't he the one that sends in the original CSI? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you kind of get into a black ops thing too, because then you've got William and Marcus's father is like Nick Fury. Working from like his secret <laughs> mobile, mobile uh, assault unit or whatever, where he is playing cleanup, making sure people don't discover too much of either one of his children. Like convoluted, convoluted. Yeah, that's where, it, and uh, he yeah. ends up. So he ends up. Marcus ends up uh, angry with his father that he could have freed William at any time. So Marcus kills his own father. But before his father can be killed, he, moments before he dies, tells Celine to drink his blood. So Celine drinks his blood, and by drinking his pure, original, immortal's blood, she is now this super uber vampire. You thought Michael was dead. Him ain't. He's alive. Yeah, he ain't. Because he, he's something new. He was able to heal from the getting speared through the heart. Uh, so you got him who's this super hybrid. You have Celine, who is now the super vampire after drinking Marcus and William's father's blood. Which enables and her now to it's be, a showdown with Marcus. Daywalker. Yeah. Now now it's a, a a fist fight with with them and the giant werewolf and the giant man bat. And she's uh she's all knocked up and doesn't know it. <laughs> There's what a twist. <clears throat> no one saw that coming. Yeah, I like that jaw rip kill on the giant van. Mm-hmm. Giant lichen that was yeah. Cool. I you know I gotta be honest, though, I was a little disappointed with that giant werewolf. <laughs> all he did was get shot a lot. Yeah. Like he, there wasn't much offense with that dude. Yeah, I really wanted like to see some amazing shit on the storyboards if they labeled it super underwhelming. <laughs> that was the, yeah, was that so, the werewolf? Was that Tannis? I got a name Tannis in my notes here. Who's who was Tannis? Well William was the giant were- werewolf werewolf. Oh, right, that's right. <laughs> Do you think he was special needs? Is that what the problem was or 
Oh it's God, we're going back there. It's canceled. You can't say those things. It's not like we're writing for Dr. Seuss. I mean, come on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shock everybody and tell you that uh, the good guys win. What? Yeah, and Marcus <laughs> is killed, and so is his brother William. Marcus gets pushed into a helicopter propeller, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, there were some some really gory spots in this movie. Like, for it was convoluted, but the action was still intact. <clears throat> and I feel like this was gorier than the second, or the first one. I agree. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this. This is probably the one I enjoyed the least just because there was so much story to try and follow. Again, the kills were cool, but other than that, I'm like, God, I'm going to have to like take pay attention. notes and pay attention <laughs> to Underworld 2. <clears throat> oh, that's just me. Well, it still tickled your lizard brain. <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> Any other thoughts before we move on? Have you ever shot no. a gun with UV bullets, Robert? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Life is still young. Uh, Have you ripped the jaw off a werewolf? I there's a statute of limitations for me to talk about that. So I thought you were an outdoorsman. You you haven't <laughs> shot UV. Bullets, you haven't killed a werewolf. What the fuck? Yeah, I did not change the I, show. We're Midwest posers. I did not <laughs> confirm. <laughs> I did not confirm one way or the other on the second. So all right, that's fair. All right, moving right along. Todd, what's the next installment? So we have Underworld 3 back in time or Rise <laughs> of the Vikings. 2009. Um I'm not even going to say the director's name because I'm going to, it looks like Tata Pusilis or something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we have a different director, different writers. And in this one, Kate Beckinsale was really all knocked up. So um, we have a whole new uh, backstory. And, and Selena, does she, is this the one where she, does she open at least with the story of yeah. what's going on? Yeah. So, um, which again, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm a sucker for the, because as they keep going forward, it's more old school where they kind of um, uh, give you like a retelling of what you saw in the first couple. Um, so this one actually, though, has some returning cast, but it's uh, the ones that would have been around for, uh, for the Rise of the Lycans. Um, and then we have- Because it's Rona. a prequel. It's a prequel. Rona, Rona Mitra is playing Sonya. Uh, Michael Sheen comes back as Lucian, Bill Nye as Victor, Stephen McIntosh as Taintus, and Kevin Grievenal as uh, Ray's. It's good. I was, I was going to say, it's really cool to have Ray's back. We didn't talk much about him in the first movie, but he was a cool character, and it's nice to have him in this one. And one of the co-writers of the original. You don't know that. I do know that. <laughs> Go ahead. I killed your, your train of thought. I was just pleasantly surprised that on a third installment, how many actors they were able to get to come back. Yeah. Like, like even Amelia, who played a role of being on a train car and being killed, comes back to play that character in her heyday. I was very impressed with that. Marcus is back, right? Am I correct? 
or nay. Uh, they run together. But anyway, Bill Nye's back. Like it just, I was shocked at how many people they got to come back and reprise their roles. Uh, I think it's cool too because uh, you would expect with the main star not being a part of it that they would have like down the budget. And but I mean, this one probably had I would say a bigger budget than the first two. And it was a smart move, I think, for a third movie to go back and be like, all right, we've done these two. The first two movies are are very similar. Yeah. It's like, well, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go back and let's tell this story. Exactly. So I, I think it was the wise move to do for the third movie. Yeah, dead honest. And I'll just say from the top here, this is probably it's probably tied with the first movie to be my favorite of the franchise. I, I think that this movie is is a lot of fun and it it does cool storytelling and and you know like I said I just I like the first movie I'm not crazy about it and I was like man this for a prequel story as the third installment of this franchise it's it's well done I enjoyed it yeah I agree this was the the dark horse of of watching all these for me I, and the interesting thing too I think is uh, almost like brand protection because what this does is makes rewatching the second one better ah. because now you're informed on a lot of these things that they kind of move swiftly through. It's not going to be as confusing if you grow into a fan that wants to watch these over and over again. It only makes the second one better and keeps it moving without the star briefly. So, I mean, it was a really pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I enjoyed this one, even though at the end when um, the werewolf falls off into some spikes and you realize he's the ambulance driver, um, still really liked it. <laughs> Vinny was like he's really trailed off. Um I, I think, thirteenth reference, folks. I think this is the only one that um I didn't probably I probably waited till video to watch it. This one didn't really interest me if I'm being honest. Um but then when I watched it, I liked it well enough. I to me three was always the worst in the series. But uh watching the series now, this is probably the first time I've ever watched all of them back to back ish. I mean, I didn't watch them. Like, I, I have to go to bed for work, but I watched all of them, like, days apart or, like, a day apart. So, uh, I think it's the first time I've watched this series that way, and I actually like three a lot better. Um, and then, uh, like Professor said, it kind of makes two even better, uh, having watched the third one, too. So, Yeah, I agree with all of that. Okay. Vinny, you want to hit that plot? So basically, this is the story that was teased in the original movie. This this is the origin story of not only the Lycans, but like their genesis period, uh, and also the. But it's mainly the story of Lucian and Victor's daughter Sonia, that was alluded to all through the first movie. And this lays it out and shows their relationship and the tragic end that sparks the the war between the vampires and the Lycans that lasts centuries, and. I mean that that's that's basically it. That's basically the whole the, the whole shebang. You just get this prequel story that was teased in the original, and you get to see it completely play out in this one, which I think was done very well. Yep, I agree. When they're shooting yeah. those giant telephone pole sized stakes through the walls at the lichens, as they're a crowd of them running through the castle walls, and it's going through some of their bodies or blocking off their their. Exit and all that. I thought all that shit was really cool. It was neat that. to have that period piece, that gothic vibe to it. 
I think I think it was needed because after the first two, and it's it's um, not, not that it's too futuristic, but the weapons became a little like at, at some point I'm like, man, the weapons they have should just kill everybody in the room. So, not that they didn't have cool ass weapons in the third one, but it was uh, um, I don't know. It's it's, it's weird because it's almost like Army of Darkness ish, where I mean you really don't have technology and um, that, but there's still some cool ass uh, stuff. I also like where um. They're kind of like trying to get out, and he he knows from the 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 little trap door, or whatever, that they're going to go down there, and that they're they're throwing these barrels down into the hole and uh, causing explosions. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff. Um, and again, for a third, I feel like most series at this point they really have it's just the same movie over and over. So um, I, think I think they knew they needed Bill Nye again too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, the same idea with Insidious. Even though they killed Lin Shay in the first one, they found ways to bring her back because they knew that she was really kind of the backbone of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, I love that chase scene at the beginning where Sonya's trying to make her way back to the castle, and um, the the lichens are chasing her, and they do such a good job of blending CGI and practical, and I think. Again, to say that's what this movie does well is that they do it pretty seamlessly. You know, you've got them doing the CGI from a distance, but then when they pop in up close, they're they're doing practical stuff. And this was just another example of how well they were doing that, all while uh, Lucian is flinging arrows at you know from the castle, trying to you know help her make it there. And so, yeah, good action scene, great. Again, bringing up that fantasy stuff. This this hits that really well. I think, um, you know, in the same things that you get from, you know, other movies where it's a non-linear, non-linear experience, it's, it's refreshing for the viewer. And so I think it's fun with this to already know a lot of the, the big points that are coming. It's almost like, you know, making history come alive because we heard about these things almost like fables in the second one. And now we're getting to spend time there with it as it plays out. Um, and so another, nice crutch for that is they can go as epic as they want because it's the past so you literally could throw so much at it like it's the end of the series who cares because you can come back in the next one and pick right back up with the story that had been driving the franchise up until that point so i just think this was a a really really um smart move like we've discussed and i i like how we learn about victor are we gonna did we want to go really dig in plot yeah, dig in. So we have Victor stabbed through the mouth, which is pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, during this huge melee that breaks out between them, you've got Lucian summoning the werewolves. But I mean, that's basically like one of the big moments because, as a viewer, you know everything already. You've heard the story, and you're like, "Wait a minute, this guy's later on." Well, then you see him uh, survive and flee onto a vampire ship where they basically have him in uh, hibernation to wait for his turn. So it's like you still have with another... Yet, with yet another return actor from the previous movie. Right. And so you got that fun wink and nod to what the viewer already knows, but it kind of fills that in. But you got there in a way that you weren't really expecting because you watch this guy get stabbed through the mouth. You're like, wait a minute. So I just think there's little little moments like that where they could have been completely lazy with this movie, but they weren't. They really did try and make a pretty rewarding movie, and I think they did. And on a on a storytelling level, they did such a good job. Like, 
So as we talked about before, you find, you know, from the first movie, you know that the, the vampires kind of populated lichens so that they could make them their slaves. And like, they are real dickheads to the lichens in this, you know, in the film as they treat them as their slaves. And so it's a good storytelling method to then why they have the, the lichen uprising, basically, as the lichens revolt against their, their, you know, they're slave masters, basically. And so that really is the rise of the lichens. And so it's it's cool because then it evokes in your your mind, you know, just historical at that point. So, I mean, we're, we're horror, we're action, we're sci-fi, we're fantasy, and even like calling in some of these things that we know from historical times when, when the oppressed have raised up against their oppressors. I, I thought it was cool. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I just... That's cool. I mean, this that's good storytelling. I think that's why this is still one of the best films in the franchise. Do you? Uh, I liked it Andrew when they were. <laughs> I liked it when they were showing that basically they would capture humans and then march them in from the dungeons to a lichen that's chained up, and let the lichen bite them and then take them back to their cell. But that's how they created their their race of servants to protect them while they sleep during the day. Yeah. And just one last thing I'll say, uh, and it went so much more to building in that Victor storyline is that Victor didn't have to kill his daughter. He did not have to. And we see that in this film that he hates lichens more than he loves his daughter. Yeah. I think that strengthens again, going back to watch the first film um, to know just kind of how how much of a shithead he really is. For Bill Nye being an older guy, he is imposing and scary as fuck as Victor. Yeah. Like he really is. Yeah, he, he exudes a power. If he walked up to me and was like, give me some ice, I'd get it for him. <laughs> I think they could have made Even a, if he pressed they, against you. They could have would he make you kill his chest hair? If he would have walked up on his daughter and uh, Lucian, and it was like Dracula with like where he was the wolf banging her, but that's just mine. Um <laughs> I will say this one's kind of like Spartacus, but like less orgies, I guess. Sporadicus. <laughs> Sporadicus or a Gladiator. But um, I don't know. Again, I not something kind of like um, – I, I hate saying it because I, I don't like the John Carpenter vampires, but kind of like blending of, of – because sci-fi and vampires has been done a lot. But um, I can't think of a lot of movies that are kind of a Gladiator-type movie with vampires. So – um, no, I thought this one worked really well. Very cool. Any other thoughts on Underworld 3, Rise of the Lycan? Good entry. Are, are we going to talk about the, the ending? That Vinny already talked about? With Kate Beckinsale? Basically, remember. scenes from the Go first ahead. movie and show her setting on the like Batman or the Batman <laughs> above the city. Uh, so basically, it kind of like is the complete wraparound to where the first one would start. I guess yes. I watched the I guess I watched the whole movie, but well, when, it was, when I had it on one and a half, I kind of sped through that real quick. <laughs> uh, and as we transition to the next film, I will say this is where I agree with my wife, and she says this is where the franchise should have ended. <laughs> so. Uh, it, it it certainly would have served better as a trilogy. Yeah. So, uh, weirdly, th- there was a trilogy, and I think because they couldn't do the third one the way they wanted to is why it continued. But uh, Underworld IV Awakening 2012. 
Um, <laughs> written, uh, actually, I don't think that they wrote it, but Mans Marlin and Bjorn Stein are the directors. Kate Beckinsale's back. Marley Maitland wrote this? Weird. <laughs> Uh, Michael Ely is Dr. Seba- or Dr. Detective Sebastian. Um, <laughs> Stephen Ray is uh, Jacob. A huge actor. Uh, Charles Dance. Great guitarist. Uh, <laughs> and then Theo James is uh, David. And then um, I don't think the, the person playing David. Anybody, but... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting tickled. I have all kinds of randomness. Continue. <laughs> we do the show for us, folks. <laughs> <laughs> onside jo- inside jokes on inside jokes. <laughs> so this one is back to being a sequel. So, uh, Todd, would you say that Rise of Lycans is actually part one? No, because you wouldn't have got any of that story. <laughs> So this is technically part four, no matter where you place Rise of Lycans in the storyline. So this is a direct sequel, and it picks up directly off of part duh. Vinny, would you like to? I'm going to be honest with you. I was deep in my cups on this one. So so you've got uh, Celine and Michael are trying to, was a book? They're trying to like book passage on a boat, right? Isn't that where this is starting off? They're like on the docks. Yeah, because yeah. Could you? Are you going to say why? Do you remember why? Not really. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um, based on what happens at the end of the second film, it's too big to contain, and the humans find out what's going on. That's right. The humans find out that there are vampires and lichens, or and they're hunting to them to extinction as they call them non-humans so they call them non-humans and so this is what starts what they call the cleansing they call it a few different things through the film but it's the cleansing and so they're trying to wipe out all of the um vampires and lichens that they can and celine and michael are trying to escape and they get caught and it's clever if you ask me they clearly cannot get the actor to return to play michael so the, when you see his face in the beginning, it's through the sights of a gun. So that kind of obscures the picture a little bit. He's clearly a CGI, Michael. But I still think it's a clever way of getting around not having the actor coming back. About like uh, using Crispin Glover's <laughs> facial mold from Back to the Future to slap into another actor in parts two and three, which they got sued for. Uh, you, you, keep <laughs> saying, you keep saying clearly... And this is all new information to me that that wasn't really the So, yo, you didn't notice that it was CGI. (laughs) Okay. All right. Fair enough. Maybe you were deep in your cups as well. Well, not that I was paying too close of attention to part four. (laughs) Full admission. But I still (laughs) took better notes than you. So, so Michael and Celine are captured. Celine comes to in a lab setting. There are alarms going off. She's basically in some sort of cryo tube. Uh, she's seeing flashes of things happening around her. She wakes up, sees her garb in the uh, cabinets, breaks out, and is on the lam again. 
being chased by lichens, werewolves, and humans. Anybody wants to add anything? Go right ahead. <laughs> there it is. There really isn't much else to it. I mean, we've got the elements of the government wanting to harness their abilities, and you've really got nowhere near the kind of level of safe haven that they had. I think it was 12 years yeah. earlier uh, 12 from years. where she's at now. And so, I mean, you really kind of lean a little bit heavier into the sci-fi elements of this because what's the she lost her John Wick. She lost her John Wick license to kill and access to all the hotels and ammunition, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then we find uh, there's some little girl that needs her help. And mm. the little girl is kind of a badass. And you're like, huh, wonder where this is going. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I do want to say, as they are escaping with the little girl before they know much about her, um, they're also being hunted by lichens again, which the lichens are supposed to be wiped out. And I thought it was a pretty clever choice and, and a good job that they made the lichens real mangy looking. Like they've been surviving underground. Yeah, they, they they're malnourished. They're diseased. They're real shitty looking. And so I was like, "That's clever. I'll give them credit." Yeah, for that. it's like a fish concert. <laughs> <laughs> you got nugs? You got nugs? What about grilled cheese? Whoop <laughs> whoop. Um. So Vinny playing poltergeist with his television back there. <laughs> um. So we find out that that little girl, anybody, anybody? It's her baby. She was adopted. (laughs) She adopted her while she was frozen and she (laughs) finds that out. Um, No, that's her daughter. And she's the reason that she was awoken from her cryogenic tube. Yes. She smashed her out. And she is psychically linked. So here we go. Halloween 5. Yeah, hitting some horror. Psychically linked (laughs) to this little girl. And she asked the little girl, do you also see what your father sees? And the little girl's like, "Uh, no. So it's, you know, Michael's dead. Or is he? All right, I'm just going to say real quickly. I I don't, this is not a bad uh, installment in the franchise, but the, the daughter stuff is really cheesy. Like they... This is this is probably the first time in the whole franchise I'm going to say they actually kind of not, they didn't jump the shark, but they did some they, they did cheesier stuff than they had done before, and so the daughter stuff was really cheesy in this film. Yeah, it's just running out of zip. Yeah, it's still entertaining, and you I feel like in this movie they went where they had to overall. Yeah. yeah. So if we didn't say, like I said, it's the daughter of of Celine and Michael, and she is she is also a hybrid. Like Michael, so she is the first natural born hybrid. So we've also introduced the character of David at this point into the franchise, right? Is that yes, the, the dream? Is that the dreamy guy that keeps saying that? Is Theo James? He's number and he's from the Divergent movies, right? That's and if you can't have Bill Murray, so he was in some like Bedlam or something. I just have some stills where he's in the bathtub as a screensaver, but. <laughs> And if you can't have Bill Nye in your movie, the next smart move is to get Charles Dance. 
<laughs> Rodney. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're trying to add some class with some British actor, you just you just hit Pater, who yeah. plays the father of David in the elder vampire role. Yeah, and, and so again, as as Professor said from the beginning, they never chinsed out on any of these movies. Like they they no. paid for talent, especially. Well, yeah, it's like as far as British talent goes. Yeah, think, Stephen Ray. I mean, when he pops up on screen, I'm like, does Celine have a dick? What are you doing here? He, I mean, he's a big time actor, though. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think for the, this one probably is my least favorite, but um, but I still really liked it. And I, I, there's, I think David and his dad, which it didn't help that the actor that plays David, I thought they added to the story because I, I didn't care a whole lot for the, like the the daughter stuff. Um, the opening scene though I thought was cool because Kate Beckinsale's kind of been absent a whole movie, so. I feel like she's a little bit more, um, not necessarily bad or ass, but she's just pissed, so she's just killing people as she walks by them. Um, and honestly, I, by the time the movie's done, I kind of feel like this is one of those, like some of the Resident Evils were the same, where it's it's almost a, just a bridge to the next movie to me. So it's almost like, what did I watch? Um, I felt this one for the first time, there was too much CGI, and what CGI was there wasn't done well enough to get by on it was more crutch than supplemental yes that those whips looked terrible those cgi whips against that lichen were really bad i don't know this movie it delivers on like if you've enjoyed underworld movies it delivers on all the things you like from an underworld movie you've got good actors you've got good action sequences you've got vampires and werewolves you got some cool kills. You it got delivers vampires. on all that. You got vampires turning on each other. Yeah. <laughs> it delivers on all those levels. But the little girl, it's like Blues Brothers 2000 when they brought in that kid as a Blues Brother. <laughs> like, it just when you start bringing in kids in these movies and installments, it all, it, by doing it, it reeks of desperation in my eyes. Like, David, they're the people who make these things are old enough to real remember when Cousin Oliver was brought on to the Brady Bunch, you know, and when when Seven was brought on to Married with Children. Like it's a trope that's a red flag to your audience that things are going downhill. So basically, because the actor didn't come back as Michael and they didn't want to recast him, they transferred the hybrid role to this daughter character that now everybody's after. They're like, hey, y'all like people wearing leather? We got that. You like shootouts? We got that. Lichens, always going to have them. Hey, what about, remember when she shot a hole in the floor in the first movie? She does it in an elevator in this movie. So you remember that, right? You like it? She shoots the, that is totally different. She shoots the ceiling <laughs> the bottom of the elevator. <laughs> See, my song went dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> hey, you like a strong British character male as the lead? We got that. Uh, yeah, so we gonna get all the things you like about an underworld movie. And they did. And and let's be honest, by the fourth movie in a lot of franchises, they have done a lot worse. Oh, by far. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. still a very good sequel as far as sequels go. I'll say too, but um, it does feel like they're running out of gas. For all the all the genre mesh, meshing that they do, something the Underworld series does not do is put humor in it, and I think that's what saves probably the series 
Like even even four. I think if they started making it's them true. Pinky, or she's had some one liners and stuff, it would have it would have sucked. Even like it didn't suck. It just it was a letdown from the other films. Like if she would have said, "Do you know what happens to a toad when it is struck by lightning?" <laughs> <laughs> or if she would have thrown a bone and all the lichens went chasing it. <laughs> A tennis ball. Or she couldn't find, find her clothes because so she wore a black trash bag, but it looked just like what she wore in the other films. <laughs> <laughs> or she just called everybody bitch. Um, a fun thing I want to point out here. Can I ask, is this an underworld action figure hanging above her head? Because I'm, yes, like, I'm pretty sure that's Kate Beckinsale. There's a visual cue for you guys listening at home. We're not supposed to bring up the sex swing <laughs> on the podcast. He's got a Kate Beckinsale sex doll in this room staring at us. Mm. Hey, yo. So, uh, fun callback if you want to be super nerdy. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy in this film named Wes Bentley. And I was introduced to Wes Bentley in a TV show, a newer one called Yellowstone, which is a really great show. But he's also in a little horror movie called P2. Later in this film, uh, in this underworld he film, he also pees. There's a <laughs> there's a shootout in a it was a big battle that takes place in a parking garage. And would you guess what level they're on? P2, just like the movie. I don't know if it was on purpose. You know, that's what you know Wes Bentley from, and not American Beauty. Oh, I remember that movie. Was he the trash bag guy? I think I kept trying to pinpoint where I recognized that guy from. He's also I couldn't do it. Ghost Rider and um, American Horror. Obviously, I was too lazy to look it up on my phone. Was did he play the bag that keeps blowing in the wind? He played the bag. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Wow! Wow! Don't forget uh, also Stephen Ray, as I mentioned earlier. We covered for uh, Citizen X. He played the detective in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you keep saying Stephen Ray, and I keep thinking Stephen Jeffries, which could have been a cool. <laughs> no, he's the he's that guitarist. Stephen Ray, little, little sister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last thing I'll say is that we find out that all, all the people running the government labs are actually lichens, and so that was yeah, those silly boys. And they're like, ah, oh, we're the ones that are here. And then lastly, uh, when she's fighting the the. The Lycan dude, and she... Quint. <laughs> it means five in some language. Yes, I'm setting it up here. But she punches go. into his stomach, and you think she's just like doing damage in there, or he thinks so. And he's like, ha-ha, I heal instantly. She's like, that's what I'm counting on. Because she stuck a grenade up in his guts. Yes. It, which was awesome. And you're yeah, getting into action. Fun. I mean, yeah. the only thing that could have made it better is if Lewis Gossett was standing there to cheer it on. Or, or that ah. she said, smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great scene, though. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She should have so crawled back, this. She she back into a space where he can't get in. Explode. This is the part where we just talk all over each other. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part of that. She should have. She said to like stuck her arm out for him to bite, but then pulled back, and it was an electrical line. <laughs> oh man! I like the fact that she to get try to get away from this gigantic dire werewolf. She crawls back into this area where he can't reach, so he has to transform down to a human size to reach her and then that's where she's able to take advantage i thought that was neat yeah, yeah. 
This is where I'm not mm-hmm. allowed to write movies because I would have just had him use his ginormous wolf dong to pee on her. <laughs> and then it would have flooded her out like Alice in Wonderland. And it could have ate so, uh, Anybody got 20 minutes of Jaws trivia? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my phone. <laughs> okay, so that's Underworld 4, The Awakening. Todd, would you like to take us into the next film? I sure would. Underworld V, Blood Wars. 2016, directed by Anna Forrester, uh, Kate Beckinsale again, Theo James again. Mind you, that at this point they're figuring out how to get his shirt off, so I applaud that. Uh, Tobias Menez as Marius, Charles dances back as well as Thomas. Hell yeah! Uh, Hold me closer, Charles. I'll, I'll say the last installment. Anderson Stomet did the old school Friday the Thirteenth, where she's telling the story and they're showing you cool little clips. Yep. And which is also probably their way of cheating of getting a lot of the other actors back in this movie. So <laughs> also probably hitting the actual theatrical running time, like just run some shit at the beginning. Yeah, uh, thankfully these films got shorter with each installment. <laughs> I, I'll say where where four again. I felt like a lot of that Fast and Furious where it's literally I don't even know what I watched. It's just the bridge to the next movie. I thought this one was pretty cool because it had a lot of cool. When I hate to say winter because it's not really winter. It's just they're in like cold as hell. Yeah, they're sure. So it was it was cool stuff that you don't normally see with vampire films. So. Uh. Yeah, this was another Underworld movie. Um, you like leather? We got that. You like guns? We got them. Do you like vampires double-crossing each other? We definitely got that. Uh, we're going to have more swords in this movie, though. So for you sword boys, <laughs> this one's for you. <laughs> yeah. This was my least favorite of the, the franchise. I, to me, it's just completely tired at this point. It adds nothing. Even 4 and 2, which I wasn't in love with i enjoyed them they they brought things to the story and and the overall franchise whereas this i feel like we are just it's exhausted i mean they're just doing carbon copies of stuff we've done shark has jumped with this movie that consider the shark jumped um you can travel like jason Voorhees and uh just (laughs) with every movie you have tried you have to up the ante so you have to make the werewolves more powerful and by proxy Celine has to get more powerful are you so are you telling me that you don't like the idea of her dying and coming back with blonde highlights in her hair and a white jacket <laughs> and she's all of a sudden Gandalf the white as <laughs> yeah <laughs> after she gets wrapped up like a mummy by Daenerys target game yeah now uh, email though and this is uh this is the last one we're covering so I think that sums it up. <laughs> and so we've got, uh, she got, <laughs> all right, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this. This movie was better upon the second viewing than I remembered it being from the first time I watched it. That's about as far as my praise for this movie goes. So uh, unless anybody else has something to add, I'm going to hit the plot Go if for I it. can. So, so Celine is now hunted and hated by everybody. No one likes her. No one likes her. She, she stupid bitch. Uh, we hate you. She has. <laughs> she is now lost track of her daughter at her daughter's request. She's a bad mom. Uh, That's old. Michael is 
missing because we saw Michael, what we thought was Michael anyway, at the end of the last movie. You yeah. catch a glimpse, his tube is open, and you see him running and like diving off into the ocean. So Michael apparently is not turned back up. So Selena is on the run. Uh, and you find out the Lycans have regrouped. They have a new leader, and they're, they're more calculated and smarter than they've ever been. And they, the Lycans have been wiping out the vampires. The vampires are, are uh, playing defense slash survival against the Lycans at this point. Uh, so I forget the character's name. Uh, the woman who is now an elder who talks to Charles Dance and says, hey, can you go in front of the other elders and tell them that we need to pardon Celine?" And bring her back so that she can train this new batch of death dealers that we've got. Because none of them are even near the level that she was. We need her here to retrain. Charles Dance goes before them. Hey, this is what we need to do. They end up getting the okay. They go find Celine. Celine, your pardon. Celine at this point has been found by uh, Charles Dance's son, David. David. And so... David and Celine go back, let them know, hey, you've been pardoned, blah, blah, blah. Celine goes in to train these new guys. She's whooping ass. And then, I can't remember this character. Go ahead. Samira. Wait, is Samira the- is the leader, the, the new elder. Is David in the chest? Not yet. Uh, oh, okay. That's chess. That was back in part four we forgot that yeah part four yeah we, we glazed over that where he doesn't uh, david was him. killed but celine put her blood in his body and didn't she reach in and pump his heart with her hand and brought him back to life yep well she fists him again and takes out that bullet <laughs> yeah because he a uh, tracking bullet was was shot into him by the lichens so anywho uh so then the guy who's the bitch boy to samara is that her name samara or am i talking about the ring now anyway so he gets her to go do a cage match <laughs> in front of his students to show what it's like to fight lichens in a closed environment. While he does so, he slices Celine's hand. It had wolf's bane in it, right? And so nightshade. it would kill a norm. What's that? Nightshade. 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 And it would kill a normal vampire because she's so powerful from the Corvinus blood. It just incapacitates her. He kills all of his students. It's all been a ploy. He's in cahoots with Samara, who is going to blame Selene for killing all these other vampires. And they're going to use Selene's blood to drink and make themselves more powerful. You guys jump in at this point and give me anything you want. So, basically, this one's like 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 uh, Colors meets Police Academy 4. <laughs> so colors. The, ah, colors, colors. Yeah, you got the Blood Wars and uh, Bloods and Crips and then uh, Citizens on Patrol. So. Yeah, that sums it up pretty good. You just forgot you gotta had uh, <laughs> you gotta have Vikings or Game of Thrones too because they go to the sure. the northern coven for help because there is no king in the north. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember like in Living Color where they would show how they make fun of people? So it'd be like it would say like black and it would be like like ten percent and all the rest would be white. But like they did like a will here where they were just like Vikings. Yes. <laughs> We go get the Viking vampires. <laughs> so they go uh, this where, movie, where? Good. I was gonna say this whole movie should have been a five-minute add-on to part four to tie it up. 
Yeah. So everyone's looking for Eve. That's the plot. Everyone is looking for the daughter. Yeah. That's yeah, because you've got a, you've got a souped up werewolf shooting himself up with blood throughout the whole thing. Oh yeah, he's and, got Michael's blood. He's the only person that has Michael's blood, and so he's yeah, he's getting jacked to the gills on Michael's blood. So they go and <laughs> and Daenerys Targaryen, and I think Legolas is there. Uh, and Aslan the Lion shows up at one. The, the the Lycans then attack the northern place. Oh, yeah, it's great. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't gonna believe this either, though. There is a vampire female who is actually in cahoots because she's in love with a lichen. This is a fresh take on the series and something that we haven't seen before. Wait, uh, so, so, forbidden fruit and betrayal. Oh my god. Yeah, we got vampires so, in cahoots with vampires. Vampires in cahoots with lichens. Ugh. Yeah. So the lichens attack. Uh, Legolas and the elves of the north <laughs> and uh, Celine is in like a final showdown with the big uh, roided out werewolf and she ends up basically he t- uh, the were- the vampire lady tastes Celine's blood and says she really doesn't know where her daughter is and then uh, roid rage yeah, werewolf kills her and right before Celine dies she Dumps herself into the icy water. Werewolves retreat. Selena's is fetched from the water and mummified and then put in different water. Uh, the Lazarus Pit from <laughs> Ra's Chow Ghoul from Batman Comics. <laughs> so then David goes back to his coven because he finds out he is actually Amelia and his father's Son, so he's actually a pure blood, and he's the one with the rightful claims to the coven. <laughs> he gets there just in time for Samara to be taking over the coven to step in and say, Mm-mm, "This my coven." Uh, to which everyone's allegiance somehow immediately switches to him because he said that and gave him a taste of a drop of blood, and they're like, "Oh shit, he ain't lying." <laughs> so it then, gave him his mama's blood in a ring. <laughs> so then. Uh, Lycan's attack again and while he's protecting the coven all of a sudden the flash comes through and you realize oh shit Celine is back with more new powers and frosted tips because she is now and a white fur coat gave off the white yeah and at this point I'm just kind of exhausted (laughs) so I like that she rolled up looking like Cookie from Empire and uh you know they're about to solve this uh this little turf war that they got going on. And yep. I think at that point too, they're like, "All right, werewolves, go home." <laughs> Let's get out. They're like, "All right, go and get. We killed your leader. Get out of here. Get." And did we mention that Celine is a daywalker because of the Corvinus blood? She can go yeah. out in sunlight. Yeah. And they pumped blood out of her before she was rescued, and so now Samara has that same ability and while she's basking in the sunlight that Celine has unleashed on her and it doesn't phase her and like oh bitch I'm powerful as hell uh gets stabbed through the head <laughs> and moited and then uh they put her in a well and then Celine is having a final showdown with the rooted out werewolf she locks herself in the the hell in a cell cage 
Uh, he can't get to her. She gets a taste of his blood and realizes he slit Michael's throat after Michael had escaped and kept all of his blood. And he was on his last vial of it. That's why we're after Celine's daughter. Michael's dead. Uh, and then how, how does she end up? Kill- oh, oh yeah, that's right. She rips this motherfucker's spine out with her bare hands. Like Sub-Zero at Mortal Kombat 1. <laughs> yes! Straight that just tears cool. his whole spine out. Uh, and he croaked. And then at the end, everything's come full circle. Selene is now an elder. Uh, and at the very end, you get a teaser of her out in the snow and what appears to be her daughter finding her. Finney. Um, and I'm begging well, no more sequels. Here's the thing. A couple of things. Uh, one, after watching this movie, I had my opinions, but after listen, listening to you guys really articulate it, it's actually worse. Um, <laughs> hearing, hearing all of this put down into rational thought and description uh, really puts it under the microscope that, to be perfectly fair, when you're watching, doesn't seem as bad because they're still giving you a lot of the goods of why people like these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I'd seen that um, somebody affiliated with the franchise had said in 2017 that they were doing a part six. And by early 2018, Kate Beckinsale said, I have been in enough of those. So she won't be back. <laughs> to be fair, because because um, uh, Mila Jol- Jolovich was in the same boat. They didn't get they haven't done any other movies except for Resident Evil and Underworld, because, I mean, every couple of years they were making these movies. So she ain't been in, in anything. So uh, Kate Beckinsale was in Click. Well, she snuck in that one. So uh, and Van Helsing. That, <laughs> was, was Van Helsing before or after Underworld? All of them. L- let's all. not let's not get into timelines. All in the middle of it but, never uh, ends well. Yeah. So yeah, they did they did announce, but yeah, she she says she won't be back. So I I don't. Unless you blame like, her. Off, like I don't know where really where do you go after this movie anyways? Because I don't think people the only way that they're going to buy the daughter is if she's aged to an adult now. Like Vinny said, nobody wants to see a kid running around and doing CGI it, shit. Seemed like a lot of the fans didn't really love Five either. I mean, it may just be time to be done. And, and many, you know, Five movies is not a bad haul at all. You know, because uh, again, this this one is this one isn't great, but it's better than a lot of franchises that got to five. Oh yeah. It's still entertaining. It's not as good as police Academy five. <laughs> <laughs> it's damn sure. Not as good as Friday the 13th part five. Uh, Todd, let me ask you how many sequels do you need to wrap this story up? I think three would have done it. Three more in addition wow. to what we've no, done? No, just three. Oh, okay. I would have accepted the fourth one, which is weird that they made a trilogy and then couldn't do the trilogy. So I'm I'm confused on where four and five came from then, because that meant there was a third movie sitting around somewhere that wasn't Rise of the Lycans. So to me, that should be money, money, money. And- I agree. It's, it, it would have been best served as a trilogy and left alone at that point. But they really, well, I mean, really, if you think about it, the, the ending of, of three... It, it starts, it, that's the beginning of the part one, and we could have been done. Um, 
I don't know where you would go with it, honestly, unless you you just revamp the whole series and then they've done everything because I mean every step of the way they've made the lichens more powerful and they've made the vampires more powerful. How much more powerful could you make these creatures for another like, movie? Well, like Resident Evil, you take away all the powers in the next movie, and then they're just. Regular. I think. I think for part six, you could maybe back off of the powers. And maybe take a look at inner turmoil with the vampires. Maybe some betrayal. Uh, maybe some <laughs> forbidden romance with the lichens. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Give this man a green light. Fresh take. <laughs> I like it. I wonder how long these scripts are. I think the average script's like 80, to 80 pages, 90 pages maybe. And I feel like the dialogue for these are like 35. It's a lot of action. Yeah, they say no. room is a minute or page. So makes sense. It, for the the series as a whole, I remember when one through three came out, being a huge fan of these movies. Upon watching the series again, I don't feel like I am as impressed with them now as I was when they first came out and I first watched them. They're not as good to me now as what they used to be. They haven't aged well with me. But I still think they're they're good. Lizard brain, turn your brain off. Watch some monsters. Watch some gun violence. <laughs> watch some gore. Yeah, I'll say in closing here. I don't know that I'll ever watch any of these again. But you'll never hear me bad mouth in this series. Yeah, I. It was a pleasant surprise. It was uh, the quality was much higher than I was expecting at all, and I was still looking forward to it. And I would also like to recommend. Uh, if you don't follow Kate Beckinsale on Instagram, do. She is hilarious. Like, her account is so funny. Like, she just posted a birthday thing to her mother. I think it was a couple days ago. And it's you slide through the pictures, and the last one is her and David Spade. Because David Spade kind of looks like her mom. I mean, she's just hilarious. So, <laughs> give her a follow. <laughs> I love her. Uh <laughs> Uh, in and out. He's got a tattoo on his chest. Uh, I like the series as a whole. Um, I think four and five probably suffered because she wasn't available for three. And I felt like they're, it made me think too much. Um, I think it could have done better with a brainless sequel of just, I hate saying it, but if they really could have just phoned in both movies, I might have liked them better. Because um, I felt like I thought enough from the first three movies. So, um yeah, I I'm good if it's ended because, I mean, at the she's an elder now. I don't know where you go. So, um, and then other than like I said, spinning it off or just all new characters again, then just just make a whole new series instead. So, actually saying series repeatedly, that's probably the next step is Underworld, the TV show. I just um, hope they give it to Zack Snyder. <laughs> Here's the thing instead of with the sequels let's say they made some more movies what they really should do and they even could have done before they were, were done with what they made is just, there's all this time that we we elaborate on that these vampires have been alive send them off on completely side stories like a, a mission some kind of separate thing instead of continually trying to ratchet up the same storyline we've been following because that's when it gets tired, but if you had them go off on something just singular, I think that would actually be pretty fun and give you a reason to stay in that world. Kate Beckinsale goes <laughs> to China 
to resurrect the seven golden vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say because she owed it to Jackie Chan after he. Yeah, never mind. No, no, that's the she... crossover. You just have Jackie Chan play one of the seven golden as long vampires. As, as long as Nicholas Cage <laughs> plays the other six. <laughs> And I have to say, Kate Beckinsale from from the first movie to the last movie doesn't look much different. No, she is a vampire. And that's a pretty good gap. And she she does not look any older. To bring her back and just carried on and she would have been pregnant in the like cat suit. I think that would have been cool. Well, you like what you like. (laughs) You know, you don't like baby bumps? Getting (laughs) punched. Okay, well, wrapping up another installment of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I've been joined Went by... through, and Grizzly Abner just froze up at the end. <laughs> I thought you guys froze up. Alright, we gotta hurry. I'm Grizzly Abner, and I've been joined by... Relieved Professor Wagstaff. <laughs> Viv is Benny. Hi, Toddy. Stay scary. What was the internet shit? <laughs>